Well, hello! You are listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly podcast. Each week, I tell a story from American history to my friend... Gareth Reynolds, but you didn't just say your name, who know, has no idea what the topic is about, but you forgot your name. So oh. how are people going to know who you are, Dave Anthony? You just fucked up the show. Oh, God. <sighs> yeah. God, you want a little hit of dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Guerra. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakey of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Missy done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Oh, Gary! Gareth! Fuck's uh, sake. <sighs> Dead. Come on. That other one's real far away. Fuck. <laughs> Girl. Girl. 1929! Jesus, you really hit me with that one. Charles F. Lamb built the... Just 1929? That's all I'm giving you. Charles F. Lamb built the Lamb Funeral Home in 1929 on Orange Grove Boulevard in Pasadena. And just to be clear, it was uh, it was for humans, not lambs. Correct. It was, not a, it was not a. It was not our first issue. It's not a, a funeral home for lambs. Yeah, but that would be awesome. You give yeah, they get lambotomies. The lamb funeral home was the essence of an old style mortuary operated by a family that was all American. The stuff of advertising copy. In fact, the family once appeared in magazine ads, flanking their old reliable Maytag washer while Dad's football team uniforms flapped in the breeze. Wait, what? They They looked so American. They looked like such an American people that yeah. they were in a Maytag ad. Oh, okay. That's I thought how you American. Meant it was like a tie-in with the funeral home Maytag. Ad, I mean, that which, would be awesome. Like they just have like a bunch of bones in a dryer and they're just like, <laughs> "Can you believe it?" It just really gets the gets the whites in. Gets the whites gets so clean. Look the at the whites bones. are whiter and the blood is gone. There was the fun Jerry Sconce, 55, who was a Bible college football coach. His wife, Lorianne Lamb Sconce, 52, a church organist, and their son, David, 32, a charming ex-football player. David was the one who had big plans to grab a large piece of California's booming cremation industry. Uh, I mean, I already just, uh, you know. (laughs) What? (laughs) Cremation is not good. Nothing can go wrong here. God. I do not. Ugh, all right, go ahead. The drawing room chapel of his Spanish mission-style building was filled with comfortable sofas and armchairs. In the slumber rooms, families were encouraged to make themselves as much at home as though they were in their own residence, according to an old company brochure. At the funeral home? Yep. I don't think you want people that comfortable. It is a home in every sense of the word. Yeah, I don't think you want people. Ah, I'm just going to take a little nap. You know what? I'm going to make some spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys like the garlic bread? I just love to cook. I'm a big cooker. I love cooking. You guys mind if I take a bath? All right, I'm gonna go take a bath, and then I'm gonna have a barbecue out back with some of my closest friends. Lamb served. I'm as- gonna get shit faced in here. <laughs> I'm growing pot in the closet. <laughs> I'm gonna go bang a whore in here. Lambs, that is home to you, isn't it? Uh, listen, if you say spaghetti, I know I'm just getting banged <laughs> nearby. 
Lamb served as president of the State Funeral Directors Association and passed on the business to his son, Lawrence, who became president of the Pasadena School Board. So these guys are all up in Pasadena. Okay. Like, they're, they're, a, they're a, a prominent family. Sure. Yeah, they were in a Maytag gap. Lori Ann, one of Lawrence's two daughters, was bright and so pretty that a rival mortician would describe her as, quote, movie star beautiful. She carried herself with manners and behavior befitting of the family's position in the community. A rival mortician is like, no, oh, she's beautiful. She's so hot. I wish she was dead. Oh, as he strokes his little mustache. No, oh, she's just movie star hot. I want to embalm her. <laughs> he often sprinkled... Her conversations with uh, she often sprinkled their conversations with biblical quotations and wrote sacred songs for her own gospel group. Gospel. How can, it's funny that she wrote sacred songs. They were very sacred. It's hard to you know. That's normally something that comes with time. Her go- gospel group was called the Chapel Bells. B e l l e s. Oh. Hello. What's up, girl? Wordplay for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lorianne was her father's favorite And she was very helpful with the business She had a gift for consoling survivors at the mortuary Some of whom gave her money To save for their own funerals That's weird that's kinda, Isn't that what a spouse is? That's, that's some for? fucking upselling right there Yeah, yeah right? Oh, I'd love uh, to give you some future investment in my dad I'm so sorry about your wife Couldn't you also buy something for yourself When you die? You know what? Uh, haven't bought myself something in quite some time. Or maybe maybe a coffin. I'd love to buy a coffin. Look at my eyes. I'm going to go get some of that spaghetti. <laughs> With the help of her husband, a former football coach at Azusa Pacific College, Lorianne began taking control of the business from her parents in 1978. This was just at the time the public's interest in cremation blossomed. What year? Uh, 1978. Okay. In North America, there were only two recorded instances of cremation before 1800. But things started to heat up in 1876 when Dr. Julius... Yeah, you like that? I put that in. I I threw that shit in. When Dr. Julius Lemoyne built the first crematory in Washington, Pennsylvania. In 1884, the second crematory opened in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And as was true of many of the early uh, crematories... It was owned and operated by a cremation society. I'm sorry? It's a cremation society. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Sure. So just like the masonry of burning people? So there was like a society for cremating. Other forces behind... Okay, that's it? Yeah, so it's like a group that you you would like all pitch in to buy so you could all be burned. Like a timeshare? Yeah, cremation cremation share. Sure. Other forces behind early crematory openings were Protestant clergy who desired to reform burial practices and the medical profession concerned with health conditions around early cemeteries. So they were, you know, they were worried about the spread of disease. Which makes a lot of sense, as we've learned. Uh, Crematories soon sprang up in Buffalo, New York, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Detroit, and Los Angeles. By 1900, they were Already 20 uh, crematories open or in operation, and by the time that Dr. Hugo Erickson founded the Cremation Association of America in 1913, there were 52 operating in North America, uh, and over 10,000 cremations took place that year. So we're burning them up. Yeah. In the late 50s, 
Only 10% of the dead in America were cremated. In 1975, the name was changed to the Cremation Association of North America to be more indicative of the membership composition of the United States and Canada. So they were... Hey, Mexico, they, they were wanting to get fried up in Canada, so they brought it all... At the time, there were over 425 crematories and 150,000 cremations a year. That's in in, uh, 1975. Nice number. By the 80s, people were searching for less expensive ways to get rid of a loved one's corpse. And the number of people going for cremation was around 40%. Wow. That's trickle-down economics at work. (laughs) Hey, Reagan. Thanks, girl. Funeral parlors began scrambling to get in on the action of burning up people up oh, Jesus. Uh, cremation is especially more popular in the western united states part of which is due to demographic factors which are it's hipper i think i i think yeah maybe fuck you mom i'm gonna uh, get burned maybe less like there's less large families as opposed to on the east coast where you'd have more generational okay like you would you would have a family plot or whatever sure uh, f- oh, here you go. I Quote, families. I would like to be buried in your family's plot. Uh, uh, well, the way that we're going to we're gonna handle you is when you die, we're going to drag you behind a pickup truck across the United States. That's not what I'm asking for. Tied, just tied to the back. Come see Gary. Quote, families no longer stay in the old hometown the way they used to. Having the traditional family plot in a hometown cemetery just doesn't make sense for people who might never be there anyway, said John Slocum, executive director of of the Nonprofit Funeral Consumers Alliance. Jesus. I just love that there's all these groups. Yeah. And since cremation is usually cheaper than burial, it's an attractive prospect for the budget conscious. So, burning people was in, and the lambs wanted a big part of the dead. Right? Uh, a very oh, aggressive right. market came about, said John W. Gill, executive officer of California's Cemetery Board. Oh, God. This was especially true. It's from the Tombstone Association? This was especially true in Southern California where price competitiveness in low-cost cremation was fierce. Ugh, I don't like that. Why? Because that just means that, you know, it's 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 sort of like a LASIK surgery. Yeah. Like, it's like you want to go to, like, a good guy to give you a good LASIK surgery, but the second LASIK becomes popular, you're going to find a bunch of shady people who are, like, in uh, my neighborhood are like, I can fix your eyes. I don't know. I don't know why you would even think that. I could burn you for 100 What's wrong with that? Yeah. Come on down, I'll burn you up for $35. We're not headed to a good place. On July 1st, 1984, David, David's the youngest, the 32-year-old, leased the Pasadena crematorium from his mom, operating the business as his own. Coastal Cremations Incorporated, of which David Sconce... Cremations. (laughs) (laughs) We were just real comfortable throwing it out there, huh? We have gotten less comfortable with, like, calling shit what it is. Now we're like, it's the Rainbow Association when it just hurts children. Better than burning them up. Yeah, yeah. Burning them up, Inc. Crispy Pete. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Coastal Cremations Incorporated, of which David Sconce was president, dealt mainly as a wholesaler to other mortuaries, charging only $55 for each cremation. About half what competitors charge. So sorry. So they're they're like they're like the the big corp. They'll just take the bodies. They'll cremate them and then they'll give you the yeah. ashes. And right. They rate. they burn it up and then they hit. They're the Walmart of burning people. Yeah, the McDonald's of burning people. Yeah. Sure. Sure. In addition, there was no extra charge for picking up a body and returning the ashes. 
The mortuaries, in turn, would charge customers anywhere from $265 to $1,000 for cremation services. So it's a pretty big markup. To many who knew him, David Sconce was the model youth, a one-time defensive back for his father at Azusa Pacific with a surfer's wave of blonde hair. But he had been in some trouble, notably when he admitted to police that he had broken into the house of a girlfriend's parents when she refused to go out with him anymore. After stealing their stereo equipment, he coolly joined them in their pew at church. Although he was caught, he avoided jail after leading police to the stolen equipment. Wait. Okay, so he he broke. What a bother move, man. (laughs) Yep. Dude knows how to get it yeah, done. He certainly does. You won't go out with me? Well, fuck you. I'm going to break your parents up, steal their stereo, and then act all cool. I know. I'm going to fucking pray with your ass. I'm going to get up in your shit and pray. Oh, man. Uh, you've heard it a million times. Way to woman's heart. Go steal her parents' stereo. Soon the two ovens at the family crematory in Altadena, the oldest cremation furnaces west of the Mississippi, were running 16 to 18 hours a day. But Altadena is like three miles from my house. Yeah. In David's first year in the operation, cremations went up nearly 1,000% from 194 to 1,675. They doubled and redoubled, reaching 8,173 in 1985. Why? What was he doing? As a fleet of vans, station wagons, and trucks fanned out, picking up corpses from all over Southern California. What? It's so weird. What do you mean it's weird? It's just weird. Dude. I'm not saying we do things right now. Look. And you are a victim of the custom a little bit. Right. But that's weird. It's not. Look, a guy found a a business that would work. Yeah, but it's like a drive-through. It's supply and demand. It's gross. David Scotts was rolling in it. He flashed wads of money and cruised around in a candy apple red Mercedes Benz and a white Corvette with a personalized license plate that displays his hilarious sense of humor. No. I space B R N space for you. It read. Oh my God. In a red car? Like a lot of people are probably like, that has to be the devil driving me. (laughs) I burn for you. I burn for you. Oh, fuck. He attended hockey games with a bunch of big ex-football players that he called his boys. Sconce's boys listened to his boasts, ran his errands, and roughed up his enemies. David Sconce used his to test his strength, according to one former employee, by heaving bodies in their cardboard boxes around the mortuary like bags of grain. Oh, God. What? What do you mean, what? He's, just, he, he's showing off how strong he is. It, it, God, this is a bit a businessman recalled that David looked him up and down one day and declared him a one hander. That meant David wouldn't even need two hands to sling his small body into the oven. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. So he's just like, I I mean, this is a drive through. This is fast. Yeah. Fast burn. Yeah. It's fast burn. He's also taking weird. Yeah, you know you you know well, you're a little too inside your business. Well, it's also like apparently it's also you're a one-hander. Apparently, oh, I'm sorry, you don't know what that means. That means that I could throw you into the oven to burn you with one hand, shrimp. Seems <laughs> weak. Well, he also uses the he also uses the place as a workout sort of area. Oh, cool, yeah. Tim Waters was a 300 pound Burbank mortician who had a reputation for honesty. 
but was unpopular among competitors in the cremation trade because he aggressively took business away from them. He spread rumors that the sconces were cremating more than one body at a time, according to Richard Gray, who oh, runs Jesus. aftercare funeral services in Van Nuys. Aftercare. The rumor began spreading through the industry that the Scots family were not burning bodies individually as required by law. Uh, Ron Haste, Ron Haste, editor of a newsletter called Mortuary Management. <laughs> Hello, Eminem. Please hold. I just love. Hey, the new episode of Mortuary Management's here. Uh, new Mortuary Management. <laughs> oh Kelly finally leaves. Uh, the editor asked Lorianne Sconce to state in writing in 1984 that her cremations were done individually. David Sconce became angry and said he was going to have his boys pay the editor a visit. Oh, boy. Haste and his roommate were then attacked by David Edwards, a former Pierce College football player and another man posing as policeman, who through quote, ammonia, vinegar, and jalapeno juice and anything else we could put together in their eyes. I mean, be clear with your plan. Is it a crime? <laughs> well, we've got jalapeno juice and ammonia. Sconce then offered Edwards uh, the same amount to beat up Waters for spreading the rumors. Edwards and an associate took cash from Waters, but... Uh, Never beat him up because too many police cars were near his Alpha Society crematory in Burbank the day they went by. Sure. Then on February 12th, 1985, Tim Waters was bloodied by Danny Galambos, a 245-pound ex-football player who carried business cards reading, Big Men Unlimited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping there was nothing else on them. (laughs) Like what the Joker would leave behind. Nice little fuck you. Uh, Two months later, after spending Easter ill in bed at his mother's house in Camarillo, Waters died of a heart attack. A state investigator in Southern California was suspicious of the sconce crematory and began trying to find out how the cremations were being done. But he was denied entrance to the Altadena facility because he did not have a search warrant. Okay. You cool with that? What do you mean am I cool with that? Are you cool with that? No. No. Okay, well, if you're interested as to what I'm thinking, there's no fucking way that they're burning one body at a time. And what? And shady as fuck. Uh-huh. And this dude is, has lost himself. What? Lost it, himself? Yes, has lost himself in the process of, of thinking that he's like the cool crematorium. He is the cool crematorium yeah, guy. He's the, he's the quarterback of the burning. He's got a fucking rad vet and a yeah. Mercedes. And I, he's, I burn for you. I burn for you, baby. I burn for you. People think that it's like I burn for you, like I burn for you love wise, but it's actually I burn for you, like I'm actually burning was you he up. Single? Oh, I can only imagine he was oh, single. He must have just been shredding it up. <laughs> just buying rounds of shots. Oh, uh, yeah. Other funeral homes did not, uh, did not, uh, what is this? Oh, God, autocorrect. Oh, Other funeral homes did not begin uh, to be suspicious, even though the low cost, high volume, Operation should have raised many flags. Everyone was pretty pleased with the profit margins, and the funeral directors were reassured by the Sterling Lamb name. But Dr. Thomas Weber, owner of the Telephase Society, a pioneer in the field of low-cost barrier, burial, said the deal was too good to be true. If somebody offers you a Ford for 8000 and I'm paying 16000 something's not right, he said. 
Uh, this this man makes sense. A former employee reported improper activities at the funeral home and crematorium to the Department of Health on June 9th, 1986. The recommendation to investigate was apparently lost in bureaucratic papers. Good. What? It's good. It's good to know that nothing's changed. <laughs> you still wouldn't be able to get to the bottom of that today. At all. The yeah, depo- we lost it. The thing that means everything. We have so many papers. The department then approved David's permit to harvest human eyes and tissue for transplants. What? Eight days later, on June 17th, 1986. What? <laughs> What? Well, that's quite a 180. What do you, what do you mean? Quite a Cinderella story. <laughs> Investigate this man to see if he's throwing bodies into to more at a time. To uh-huh. yeah, do what you want with eyes. <laughs> Take eyes. Get the eye game. Go have fun with the eyes. Get me eye game. Yeah. You can only imagine what this this dude was playing ping pong with eyes like legal. I burn for you, baby. Get in the eye game, baby. I'm in the eye game, baby. Of, uh, as he uncorks some champagne. <laughs> Had a little bit of good news today. <laughs> Shit just got real. I'm going to be able to uh, start to harvest some of these eyeballs. Yeah, I don't have to throw them out anymore. Anyway. Anyway. To the bedroom? You want to get it on? I'm burning for you. <laughs> in October, David began cremating bodies in Hesperia at Oscar's Ceramics, telling officials that he was making tiles. Wait. Hmm? Sorry? One more time? In October, David began cremating bodies in Hesperia at Oscar's Ceramics, telling officials that he was making tiles. Uh, were you about to go on? <laughs> That's quite a jump. Well, he needed it. He was burning so many bodies. He needed a new place so to went burn. To a tile place? Well, he bought, a, he bought Oscar's ceramics? ceramics. He bought a ceramics place and started burning bodies in the uh, kiln. Don't you well, like to party? For a second there, I thought it was like still a ceramics place as well. Well, well, I mean, he was bought it? he bought it. No, I don't. They weren't making ceramics anymore. But okay. he just bought the place. That, he just bought the place, and then but he lied about it, which is not a good. Well, thing. he lied to officials. He said he was making ceramics. Yeah. Okay. Tiles. Yep. There. Uh, where are these tiles? Huh? Oh, they're in. They're all, all What's ashy. What's that over there? That's Larry. Hey, you're not supposed to be in here. Jalapeno juice. Get it in the eyes, boys. He installed ovens for what was listed on business permits as a ceramics factory. On the morning of November 23rd, 1986, at the crematory, employee John Hallinan and another worker loaded 38 bodies into two furnaces, each measuring 3.5 feet high by 4 feet wide by 8 feet long. That broke the previous record of 18 bodies in one furnace. You're really not finessing the fact that they are now, like, it's just so, not only is it two to three bodies, they're like, oh, man, a new record. What? And they fucking broke a record, man. Give them a little bit of credit. You know, it is a pretty, like, empty thing if you really think about it. Like, it's just ashes. It's really pointless. But... People should be able to do it with someone's fucking ashes, if that's what they want. Well, they're getting some ashes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're getting some. Yeah. It could, but their their loved ones, I mean, some of their loved ones, ashes Say goodbye probably... to grandma and those 35 strangers who were mixed in with her. Hallinan had to break the leg of one body to get it in. Oh, Jesus And Christ. that might have blocked up the chimney. 
Oh the my block God. chimney started a fire that burned what, down what the building. The fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? A body clog? A body clog. Oh my gosh. All right. All right, I see the problem here. <laughs> it looks like you got uh, 19 bodies in this one. Yep. We're evil. Uh, oh, you broke the leg of that one. Yeah, and yeah, that's well, he, what... he didn't want to go in easy, so he just shattered his leg. Well, that's why uh, the fire started, because he clogged. It was a body oh, clog. man, here we are high-fiving. We you set gotta... a record. <laughs> Look at how many are in there. His facility destroyed. David Sconce quietly moved the entire operation to Hesperia. Sorry, were there no questions about, like, hey, you lied, you're just burning? Doesn't look like it. Okay. Good no, times. Uh, David Sconce quietly moved the entire operation to Hesperia, 20 miles north of San Bernardino in the high desert. The oven ra- ovens ran for two months before a phone call was made. So the place in Altadena burned down, putting all the bodies in it. Yeah. So he moved the entire operation out to Hesperia to the ceramics place. Uh huh. And then, uh, and then, uh, someone makes a phone call. What do you mean someone makes a phone call? On January twentieth, nineteen eighty-seven, Assistant Hesperia Fire Chief Will Wentworth listened incredulously as a caller complained that the noxious black smoke smoke pouring from a, a nondescript building in the desert carried a sickeningly sweet smell of burning flesh. Oh, sweet God. I don't think so. It's a ceramics shop, Wentworth replied. Don't tell me they're not burning bodies. I was at the ovens at Auschwitz, the man said. Jesus Christ. Wentworth was still skeptical when he drove out to Oscar Ceramics and opened one of the massive brick furnaces. A burning foot fell out. Oh, God. Oh, just... Ugh. That's not tile. Ugh, that is so. That, That's tile. We're doing foot tiles. You don't prepare yourself to for have a burning foot just fall in front no, of you. No, it's weird. It's very. Like, I don't know. I got a Holocaust survivor sounded a little bullshitty. Oh, there's a foot. Hey, that's a hot foot. Hot foot. Hey, look out. Scattered around the interior. It's inter- like an athlete's foot commercial. Scattered around the interior. Caked black with the accumulated bodily grime from the brick ovens were trash cans brimming with human ashes and prosthetic devices. Um, what? Like a, like a f- arm. Oh, just, or just like a glass like eye. Like a fake arm or oh. glass eye. Body parts. Oh, my God. Oh, God. It's like the island of misfit toys, but with ash. And people. And humans. In the rear of the funeral home was the so-called Ash Palace where employees Jim Dame testified that he sifted ashes trucked in from the crematory in big barrels. Jerry Sconce told him to put in three and a half to five pounds of ash if the deceased was a female and five to seven pounds for a male. What is the point of even using human ash? You can tell the difference between human ash and regular ash. All right. He said he never put the ashes from just one body in the urns that were returned to families. Yeah, no, it's like... It, it's, it's it's awful. No, it's fine. I mean, it's just so bullshit. You know what? A man finds a, a way to make business more efficient, and no. everyone gets upset with him. But this yeah. is... Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Dave. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're coming down hard on this guy. Oh, yeah. Well, a guy finally made the trains run on time, and yeah. you're all mad at him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. By the time of the Hesperia raid, the Sconces had built... A business empire collecting human remains from San Diego to Santa Barbara. Up to 100 bodies would lie in the mortuary's coal waiting room transportation to the crematory, where David used a wood 2x4 to pack them into wood ovens like cordwood. 
What difference does it make, a witness recalled David Scott saying, they're dead. Oh, Jesus. Then why not tell everyone, David? And they weren't just profiting from the burning of bodies. The family, may, the family business may have once been a respected mortuary, but now it was a cut-rate body factory where the dead were mined like ore deposits. Oh. Eyes, brains, and gold-filled teeth were sold without the knowledge of relatives. Oh, my God. While workers competed to see who could stuff the most bodies into the ovens. Oh, my God. This, it's like Oompa Loompa's gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean, no one's being killed. Uh, yeah, well, they're all dead. Still, know, you but... want to know? No, <laughs> look. I'm not. I can't. I mean, there's just. You can't take someone's brain. Well, you can. I mean, you can, but ethically you shouldn't if you're... Well, I mean, what are ethics? <laughs> Dude, what? While, what family, while family friends tried to put all the blame on David Sconce, employees also implicated his parents in the operation of the tissue bank. Hearts, lungs, brains, eyes, and corneas were taken from corpses and sold through a company called Coaster, Coastal International Eye and Tissue Bank. I mean, we really got to get back to the the honest names. <laughs> Very clear what they do. <laughs> Which was located next door to the Lamb Funeral Home. Oh, God. <laughs> so they would just be like, it was like takeout? Did anyone put two and two together? Oh, God. I mean, imagine seeing those two next to each other and being like, well, let's get out of here. <laughs> hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't bring mom to this one. Yeah. <laughs> Because next door it says uh, stolen tissue brokers. Yeah, let's get some Kleenex. Uh, the bank in a three-month period sold 136 brains, 145 hearts, and 100 lungs to a North Carolina firm <laughs> supplying organs for research to medical schools. It's just like the old days. Yeah, it is. It's, it's somehow, it's, it's like the 1980s version. A handwriting expert hired by the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office said Lorianne Sconce had signed the names of survivors on some of the forms permitting organ removal. It is a felony to take organs without permission. In one case, survivors were prevented from viewing their loved one's body because the eyes had already been taken. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, How do you explain that? You don't, well, I mean, you don't. You close the eyes. Or, or, I mean, I don't know what you do. What are your fucking options? You tell the family they can't see the fucker. Can't see it. There's the problem with the face. Yeah. <laughs> While operating the funeral home, Jerry Sconce served as a Bible school football coach, Ugh. and his wife was the church organist. And David was making $5,000 to $6,000 a month, pulling gold teeth and selling them, selling them to a Glendora jeweler. He would pry open the mouths with a screwdriver and then use pliers to pull out gold-filled teeth in a bone-shattering operation. He had two <sighs> nicknames for this process. I, I don't like either of them. Popping chops. Oh, God. <laughs> and making the pliers sing. Oh, they're both... I hate them both for different reasons. But I think pop and chop is the worst. Okay. Just because that's kind of like, hey, the old pop and chop. This practice led to the employees giving their boss the nickname Little Hitler. I mean, it's just a fun work environment. You, they're, they're, calling, they're calling the boss Little Hitler for taking how, how out not, gold how, while they're packing bodies into a <laughs> oven. And they're calling him Little Hitler. I'll tell you, if there's one thing they got right, it's nicknames. <laughs> Nailed it! I mean, ugh. 
As investigators began looking into all aspects of David Sconce, they came across his group of large boys. David Edwards would plead guilty to beating the editor Hast, testifying that David Sconce had paid him seven to $800 to do so. Galambos also pleaded guilty to assaulting mortician Tim Waters. He testified that David Sconce told him to make it look like a robbery, so he also stole Waters' jewelry. Edwards then revealed more about Tim Waters. His heart attack had not actually been a heart attack. Edwards said Sconce told him he arranged to have Waters called away to answer a phone at a restaurant, then walked past the table and slipped poison into his water glass. Waters' body was exhumed, whereupon the coroner discovered Waters had been poisoned by Oleander. Waters' waters has been poisoned. <laughs> waters' waters was, was bad waters. And he'd po- poison any water if it's his. It's anyway. Poison waters. You see. You, you see. I get yeah, it. I got it. <laughs> David Sconce was facing charges on 69 criminal counts. For in- what? Including unlawful removal of body parts from human remains. Hey, that's a big one. Multiple cremation of human remains and assault on arrival morticians, stealing dental gold and commingling human remains as well as the murder of Tim Waters. Jesus, he really had a good bracket. He had a fucking run. Man, the stress that dude must have been under, man. Oh my god, could you imagine? Uh, oh. Killing people just so you can keep cremating people? He was the Scarface of bodies. Yeah, just because you're stacking teeth up, counting fucking money, <laughs> being brash as fuck, but then you know the FBI's breathing down your neck like the end of Goodfellas. And then you take it out to Hesperia to get away from Yeah, then you get, get away. away from the hot the yeah. heat. And then you get in the brain game. <laughs> then you throw your hat in the brain and heart ring. I want to get out of the brain game, but I hear, can't. And you hear some of your buddies are starting to cave, and you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God, this whole thing might collapse. And then you try to stop selling brains, and the brain the brain guy is like, you can't get out now. Yeah. You get out, and I'll tell everybody you've been selling brains. Don't give me that fucking brain. I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> Oh, shit, I gotta get more brains. You keep the brains coming or I take your brain. You understand what I'm talking about, skunks? I gotta take my goddamn brain. That's where the evil is. Uh, Tsuru Shoitani's mother was cremated in November 1986. With 37 strangers. Shoitani's last wish was to be returned to Japan so that her ashes could be honored in three separate locations. Nishi Hongani... Temple in ooh, I probably should say that right. Nishi Hongganji Temple in Kyoto, the family altar in her son's home in Wakayama City, and the nearby family plot where her husband is buried. So that's where she wanted to have all her yeah, her sweet, ashes a sweet dream. Listed. But during the hundred day, but during the hundred day ritual that accompanies a Buddhist burial, Nuno felt compelled to tell her family in Japan that her mother's ashes may have been mingled with others. Mm. The Nishi Hong. Jungji Temple refused to accept the remains, and the burial ritual was canceled. Yeah, not uh, surprised. A copper urn now sits in a relative's home, and no one knows what to do with it. Well, I think we can do better than that. I don't think my mother will ever be at rest. She said, oh, "Jesus." Well, I mean, I okay. Ed Shane and his family used to joke about what might be buried under the house they rented in Glendora. The house was formerly rented by David Sconce. Oh boy. Oh, God. But the joke stopped being funny when Shane, who was replacing a screen no. over a crawl space entry, and he spotted human remains. Oh, my God. There he found a pile of charred bones, teeth, and prosthetic devices. Oh, my God. Oh, God. We have no idea what else is in the yard, Shane said. We're oh, moving sh- out of here as soon as we can. Oh, Jesus. 
Jesus. Oh, it's terrible. Sconce had had Crawl the... all space finding bones. That's pretty much up there with nightmares. Sconce had had the front and backyards bulldozed before moving out, according to Shane. Yeah. If a guy's moving out of a house that he's renting and he's bulldozing yeah. the yards, yeah. you call he's the police. He's not just being like you neighborly for the next who, tenant. Who bulldozes the yards of a house they were renting? Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah before they leave. I mean... I just want the next guy to have a nice lawn. <laughs> Pay it forward sort of deal, you know? Just doing my part. You know what? This anyway, is just... don't ever dig here. I mean, look, uh, a lot of people will clean the house top to bottom. I like to bulldoze the yard. Look, I'm just looking to get the security deposit back, so I'm just going to bulldoze the yard. (laughs) (laughs) Glendora police uh, filled two 20 by 11 inch boxes with charred dentures, dental bridges, skull bones, and bombing tools, heart pacemaker wires, and at least two dozen prosthetic devices and a soft drink can containing several teeth. What's under your house? Uh, not a soft drink full of teeth. Below said police also found pieces of brick and fiberglass insulation that appeared to have been part of a kiln or crematory. Police were unable to identify any of the remains or ascertain how many bodies were involved, but they used dental records to help with identification. Oh, God. Sconson moved out in early 1987. Police then learned that David had also attempted to solicit the murder of his grandparents, Lawrence and Lucille Lamb. Jesus. Bristol, the manager. Jesus Christ. What? This guy is very evil. He's rolling. He's fucking. He's he's going for it. You know, here's the thing. If you're going to get into a business, fucking jump in. Yeah, kill your grandparents. I mean, make it all happen. Hey, man, like we like we always say, if you're going to get into business, think about killing your grandparents. Well, what are you going to do? Okay, so the other other option is the other option is to half-ass it. Yeah, the other yeah the other option is to not drive a cherry red Mercedes that says (laughs) "I burned for you." And be a normal person. Bristol, the manager of the very illegal tissue bank, revealed that Sconce told him in December 1986 that he wanted to poison his grandparents so that his mother would inherit the funeral home. Bristol said that Sconce asked him five or six times for an untraceable poison that could be put in his grandparents' water cooler. Hey, uh, hey, buddy. uh, You see the game last night? You see the game last (laughs) night? Can I get uh, some poison? Hey, um... Boy, I can't believe they kicked that field goal last minute, yeah, huh? something, yeah. Heartbreaker. They're yeah. going to miss the playoffs because of yeah, that. Yeah, it looks yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Hey, um, what's an untraceable poison to kill my grandparents with so I can I get the s- funeral I'm home? S- I'm sorry. Crazy game. When yeah. the brackets are shaping up. Yep. I need to kill my grandparents through their water cooler. What okay, would I, have to, I have to take this brain over to the brain pile. Oh, cool, 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 cool. David Sconce, his mother, and his father were all charged together for dozens of crimes. Throughout the hearing, the Sconces sat together, sometimes talking to those in the court with sm- and smiling at witnesses as they recounted their experiences at the Lamb Funeral Home. Oh. But after the hearing, the family went their separate ways. David's parents said they knew nothing of their son's crimes at the business, and their trials were separated. David Sconce complained in jail that the case against him was trumped up by prosecutors and funeral industry bigwigs. Quote, people with big places, expensive caskets, who want to quash innovators. Yeah, innovators. Yep. (laughs) 
It's innovators. <laughs> you gotta be. You gotta admit he's an innovator in oh, the industry. Yeah, he's super. He's big innovator. He's, he's making innovate. Yeah, no, he's in, he's innovative. One at a time, nineteen at a time. Sure, guys making changes. Right? He's making changes. Thinking outside of the box. Making burn using kilns. Yeah. You, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Treating people like clay. Right. Sure. Cool. He denounces industry as the, quote, most infighting, backbiting, rumor-spreading, lecherous, treacherous people you ever want to meet in your life. Right. 20% of them. (laughs) 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 David was then charged with plotting to kill the prosecuting attorney, Walt Lewis. David conceded that he wrote, Lewis will die on the wall of the jail, but insisted it was part of a larger message that was erased by jail snitches. Yeah. The full message was Lawrence will die of AIDS. <laughs> well, you know you got a good defense when you have to say that. Is that where you should start? You should definitely start with like, no, it was just that there was this sale and I knew Lawrence wanted a lazy boy and I saw these coupons and I was like, Lawrence will die when he sees these prices. <laughs> of AIDS. Lawrence will <laughs> die. No, it was of AIDS. See, I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. Come on, you guys. <laughs> Uh, he said it, quote, it was stupid, but it was funny. <laughs> sure. Was, sure. That, that's what he said? Yeah. Okay. That was his defense. Yeah. It was stupid, but it was funny. But I mean, come on. Huh? Uh, huh? Someone erased the punch. Come on, guys. It was all set up in there. Scott's pled guilty and was sentenced in 1989 to a five-year prison term for mutilating corpses, oh. conducting mass cremations at a ceramics kiln, and hiring thugs to rough up three competing morticians. The charge of plotting to kill the prosecutor was dropped. Three years later, a Pasadena Superior Court jury found there was insufficient evidence to prove the misdemeanor counts against Lorianne and Jerry. The jury also acquitted Lorianne of conspiring to steal and sell body parts to a tissue bank. The panel voted 11 to 1 to acquit Jerry Sconce of the same charge, and Judge William Masterson declared a mistrial on the count. Wow. Jurors deadlocked on six felony counts that Lorianne forged signatures on organ donor consent forms and unlawfully moved removed body parts. So they were guilty, too. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Okay. In 1992, the civil suit against all the owners of the Lamb Funeral Home was settled Wednesday for $15.4 million. Okay. I didn't have to put the Wednesday part in there, but no, but it's yeah. nice to know. Yeah, that Felt happened like on a, it happened on a Wednesday it's a hump day. Yeah, relatives of more than five thousand deceased people shared in the agreement approved by the court. But that's so. I mean, that that's really nothing, right? I mean, that's like no, it's shit. Yeah, they didn't get anything, and and then how much money does the family even have at that point? And Who how do knows? You put a price tag on like ruining right. the rest of a soul. Yeah. <laughs> Prosecutors filed two new charges against David Sconce, accusing him of soliciting the murder of Ellie Estefan, owner of the Cremation Society of California. And a bad sense of humor when it comes to AIDS. Estefan said that before he took over the business in 1986, Sconce had been negotiating for it. Estefan never had any run-ins with David Sconce, but on the night the business was transferred to him, several people broke into the offices. The previous owner, who lived on the premises, drove them off by shouting that he had a gun. I I just want to point out that there's a guy living in a the Cremation Society of California. Cool. Yeah. 
There's a guy just living in there. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to go to your place or my place? Uh, I have roommates. Uh, my place. Your, your place. Your place. My place has a your big. Your place. Your place. My place has a big oven. Your place. Oh. Uh, do you like the smell? It's forty. If you're breaking legs. Do you like the smell of the dead? I mean, um, do you want a hair lamp? We can start a fire if you want. How much does your brain weigh? Hey, can I take your eyes? The judge who dismissed the case recommended the, that prosecutors appeal. After a couple of rounds of appeals, Sconce ended up pleading guilty to murder conspiracy in 1997 and was placed on lifetime probation. Oh, my God. A very unusual sentence in California. A very unusual sentence anywhere. Lifetime probation. Lifetime probation? That sounds like a movie. Eight years after the discovery of the bodies, Lorianne and Jerry were again tried and convicted on April 12th, 1995 of 11 charges. Okay. Jerry Sconce, 60, and Lorianne Lamb Sconce, 57, were each sentenced to three years and eight months in prison. <laughs> so they got more? That was all they got. Three yeah, but they in... still got more than lifetime probation. I mean, that's true. Well, that's ridiculous. As a result of the case, the California legislature passed a bill authorizing inspection of crematories on demand. Good. Yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that makes right? fucking sense. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Lorianne Sconce's two brothers, Kirk and Bruce Lamb, attempted to restore the business. Hey, buddy, find a new racket. <laughs> Your name ain't no good here no more. Okay? Sorry, they ruined it for the family. His nickname was Little Hitler. Sorry. Kirk and Bruce Lamb attempted... Other Hitlers changed their name. They weren't like, um, I've been thinking about going into, like, religion or, like, things like that. Hitler. H-I-T-L-E-R. I just can't get that to the burning party business. I love it so... It's just so fun. I like to work with the dead. I'm sorry. My brother was bad. <laughs> Kirk and Bruce Lamb attempted to restore the business to its original purpose as a quiet family funeral home. They did not believe all of the accusations, but admitted that there was too much evidence to deny that something went sure, very wrong. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. The Lamb brothers agreed to surrender their funeral home's current license, but applied for another one and received a license to operate a new business on East Orange Grove Boulevard under a new name, the Pastina Funeral Home. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> I know what you're talking about, I think. Well... They either ran the business for a while and sold it, or they never started a new one. But I can't find their name. I couldn't find any records of a Pasadena funeral home. But there is an Avalon Pasadena funeral home owned by somebody else. So maybe they sold it. But either way. Oh, God. I just feel like the state, even though they're brothers of the guy, like, how about the family not working the business? Yeah, no, look. It's how about like, we wrap it it's up? It's like Jeb. He's George W.'s brother. Yep. I'm sorry. Yeah, you got to just he, take he's a ruined pass. It. I'm sorry. But these guys are like, God damn it, we got to restore our name in the, the dead business. Come on, man. People love the way we used to handle the people, dead. Yeah, we used to be so good, man. Man, people love, they'd be like, you guys are so good with we dead lost people. lost our cool a little shirt. I love how you burned my mom. <laughs> David Sconce was hauled back into court in 2002 for a unspecified probation violation. <laughs> he burned a body. Judge Joseph... D. Vanon told him, quote, if you come back before me on a violation of probation, I will sentence you to life in prison. Okay. In 2012, oh boy. David stole a rifle from a neighbor and tried to pawn it. 
He was sentenced to five years probation in Montana. California sought his extradition, and Judge Shubin made good on the previous judge's promise. Sconce was given life in prison for a gun charge 15 years after being caught. He OJ'd it. Burning. Yeah, he did. He did fucking OJ. He OJ'd it. He OJ'd it. Yep. Beat the big one and then let the little one take him down. Yeah. yeah. Now he's in. Now he's in fucking prison That's forever good. for life. Good. What a fucking idiot. I mean, look. No, you look. What? I got nothing. I mean, it's it's ingenuity. The guy. It's not ingenuity. The stop. guy. The guy saw a hole. What? And he. He took advantage of a situation yeah. that nobody uh, else was. Yeah, sure. They're j- Here's the thing, though. What is the thing? Like, I get, like, I don't care about, I don't care what happens to my body after I'm dead. I'm going to take you up on that. I'm, I actually am seriously consider, considering I have it put in a body farm. Jesus. Well, what? you know what I want. What? I want to be stuffed. I want to be stuffed. And I that, want to have my six catchphrases put on my chest <laughs> like a key ring, like a Spencer's Gifts key ring with movie quotes. You know, just stuff like, oh, pass the peas. You know, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but that's just what I, that's. But. And then I want to be left in a house for future generations to have to live with me. Okay, let me say this. Sure. If my grandfather, when he died, we have been cremated. Sure. But if we found out that he had been mixing with a bunch of people, I would be like, oh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I would literally be like, whatever. Sure. I mean, it doesn't matter because he's dead. He's, but he's already fucking dead. Sure. What do you, it doesn't fucking matter. Sure. It's not like when you, oh, we had to scatter his ashes in the, well, he's fucking dead. It yeah. doesn't matter where you fucking throw his ashes. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's irrelevant. Yeah. But so, but I understand that people have a religious. I, like, I, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't rub me too much the wrong way. But again, you know, it's I wrong. Think, yeah, it's morally. I think we can all agree it's wrong. Yes. At the same time, it's cute. It's cute. It's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, that is super fucking fucked up. Well, you are welcome. Yeah, fuck this. Um, thank you. You've been listening to Fuck This. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back with more uh, bodies. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with gareth and jake i don't remember how we did it but either way fun half hour comes out tuesday august 22nd and the episodes will be out every tuesday and friday we're here to help oh hey there everybody it's gareth you know from this uh this podcast uh listen i've got some stand-up shows i'm inviting the garmy the gareth army to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, 
Dublin, September 17th. And September 19th, Manchester. Birmingham, September 20th. Bristol, September 22nd. And Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.